Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bear on Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. I am here at Hallis Hall while nobody else is here. Courtney never told me that it's just like empty when there's not football things going on. I thought like it was bustling in here, but had a chance to meet with Poles and Flus and everybody today. So that's why we're here. Courtney's out in New York being a superstar. That's why she's killing it out here with the TV makeup dominating. I just look like me. I just, you know, it is what it is. But all of that to say, ladies and gentlemen, football is back this Saturday, and we are now heading into practices that lead to a game. We got to talk about what we're seeing out of this offense and this wide receiver room as a whole. Saw them still go out there and cook a little bit at Family Fest, so we'll jump into that. And then, I mean, listen. There is football coming up, so we got to talk about what our expectations are for looking at ahead at this team heading into the season. All that and more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page. Courtney, how are you? I'm good. I uh, it's weird that we're like role reversal right now. You're at the place where I typically am every day of the week, but it's you know three weeks into camp right now. Finally gearing up towards the first preseason game. Curious to see if we get an answer on how long starters will actually play in this first game, if at all. I mean, usually the first game is one that teams utilize uh, their starting players very little. But we do know that last year, Justin Fields and the first team offense got quite a bit of run uh, throughout the preseason. I would imagine it's going to be the same going forward, but we're just not sure how much yet against Titans. No, for sure. And I think I think we're excited mostly to see right what this offense is going to be and and how that's going to, you know, start to set itself up versus a defense that's not our own. But at a minimum, coming out of Family Fest, it sounds like the offense has continued to go out there and make plays. And like we talked about before the podcast, right? fight back a little bit. Remember, mm-hmm. the defense basically was like, yeah, we were chirping at them and they were silent on the other side. We're trying to get that fire on both sides. What are your expectations right now when you're looking at how this offense is coming together, specifically that wide receiver room where the main person who's been fighting back and chirping back has been Chase Claypool? Yeah, we saw that on Saturday. That was part of the team portion of practice where there were not one, but two scuffles, one of which involved Chase Claypool and Eddie Jackson. There was a separate one of the second team uh, unit, but it's, you know, Chase Claypool is the most vocal receiver that they have. That's somebody that I think Darnell Mooney had said, if there was, you know, the, the energy guy, the bring the juice guy, it's probably going to be Chase Claypool because Mooney was very self-aware that that's like not, he's not the rah-rah guy. Chase Claypool can be that guy. So matching the defense's energy has apparently been something the defense has been, they make it sound like this is like all a calculated attempt to bring the most out of the offense. And there probably is some truth to that, but I just think that's the natural, like the natural personality of defenders, especially on like DBs, they're going to get in your face. So what we saw last week where, you know, the offense had their worst day of practice on Wednesday by far and 
the defense kept chirping and kept chirping. When we talked to Eddie Jackson, he said it was his goal to poke the bear, meaning poke the offense, get them a little riled up, get under their skin. Of course, you want it to all stay on the field. You want it to not be something that, you know, feels personal and it, and it doesn't, but you know, there was on Saturday when we saw Chase Claypool and Eddie Jackson get into it. So he catches it's he's, he's running a drag route and he, you know, gets kind of like a kind of hard hit from Eddie Jackson. Yeah. And then those two get into it and there's a helmet. I think it's Eddie Jackson's helmet comes off. There's a shoving match and there's some stuff after the whistle, which Alan Williams, defensive coordinator said, until they tell us like to start practicing that because they're going to allow it in games, we're not going to do that. So I can yeah. understand, you know, even Ryan Poles at one point had to step in after like the first thing got broken up. And then those two were still talking Jackson and Claypool and in Poles is, you know, trying to like diffuse the situation. You want guys fired up. You don't, you want people to take this stuff seriously. The old cliche, Oh, it's time to hit somebody else. Cause you know, for two and a half, three weeks, you're hitting your own team. Definitely starting to see that play out. But I think the offense responded in a big way with that on Saturday, but also what we know from the, from the practice at soldier field on Sunday, they had a great red, red zone period to end the day. And it was probably the most consistent day from the Bears offense, the first teamers, that has happened throughout camp. So it's a good sign that things are trending in the right direction. Now, you know, this next step of, of being in pads, getting up, getting ready for that game Saturday against the Tennessee Titans, well, who, who, you know, it, now's your chance to kind of figure out a little bit more who they're looking at. Because if starters don't play a whole bunch or at all during this first preseason game, now you're going to get to start, you're starting to get to see, okay, the equanimity of St. Brown's, Valus yeah. Jones, Tyler Scott taking advantage of those opportunities, and then the guys that are probably more likely competing for practice squad spots when we're just specifically talking about the receiver room. When you look at this receiver room right now, right, because I think that it's been vastly upgraded from what we came into last season. Everybody understands that, but I think even with how much it's been upgraded. Maybe that's even been undersold at this point because as we've seen these guys kind of start to, you know, work together and start Mooney working his way back in, it feels like this could be a receiving core that if Justin Fields does pretty much what he said he plans to do this season, go out and be a 4,000-yard passer, we could be talking about as one of the best in the NFC alone, maybe a top five, top ten receiving core in the NFL as a whole. How far do you think this receiving core is going to jump up from last season? Well, I mean, top five would be, I think, a stretch because you have, like, let's think about the NFC alone and San Francisco, air, uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas. Those are, like, immediately, like, the upper echelon of receiver rooms in this conference. So, yeah. you know, to put the Bears maybe, like, if – this would be like expectations have been met. Everything is a going according yeah. to plan. Probably top 10 would not be, you want to be top 10. If you're not top 10, then it's man. You're taking a look at like, you know, the other 16 team, you know, 16 teams in each division, in each conference. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. Got yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, if you're not top 10, then something isn't working out because you yeah. traded effectively a first round pick for Chase Claypool. You traded the first round pick for uh, DJ Moore, like you've made a lot of investments in this room. And if this group doesn't, you know, produce an offense that is averaging more than 131 yards a game in the passing game, then that's a yeah. problem. But, you know, the potential's there and the potential for them to have more defined roles, I think is really important. Claypool is that big body guy who's not afraid to like, 
you know, call for that action coming across the middle of the field. We've yeah. seen him on, you know, some of those crossing routes, the drag route from Saturday, him, not, him being willing to use his physicality, use his size to his advantage to catch balls over the middle of the field. That's going to be a really pivotal role for him. But I, you know, as DJ Moore and Justin Fields continue to put on display what we've seen every day in practice and then eventually carry that over into games, what the, that what that's going to open up or what the roles for the other receivers that you expect to be, you know, on the field most often, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, you're 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 gonna find like a more defined role. Like I think with Mooney, I know he can win on the outside. I'm not concerned about that. He's better as a slot receiver in this offense. And that's where we see him used most often during training camp. And they don't have to like toy with the idea of, well, because of deficiencies among the personnel, we have to play you as the X. Because of this, we gotta play you as the Z. Like no, they're playing him where they need to play him, and that's typically in the slot, and that's fine. I mean, they're using him on some jet motion. Like, we've seen a lot of different things in training camp, and I just feel like you're going to see, like, pretty considerable improvement from that group, spe- you know, like, specifically because everyone's going to have a role that they didn't have last year. Like, that they just didn't yeah. have guys having defined roles. So that's probably my biggest takeaway from, like, the receiver room through – you know, almost three weeks now of training camp where going into that first preseason game, how are they going well, the guys further down the depth chart, how are they going to make a name for themselves or get themselves a bigger look for the second preseason game based on what they do this Saturday? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Focusing in on guys like Tyler Scott, Valus Jones, you know, mm-hmm. those are names that have been, you know, th- talked about all training camp. Both of those guys having a really good training camp to this point. So really excited to see what they're going to do Saturday. We do head into Saturday with the names on the injury report seeming to continue to mount up, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of couple of more guys coming in, not playing uh, during Family Fest on uh, Sunday. Are we getting to the point now where, not to say that we're concerned, right, but we're saying, okay, do we have the depth when things are coming this season? Because I don't think early on, one, they're not going to tell us anything right now, but two, Mm -hmm. if it were serious, we'd have that conversation. They'd probably come out and say something about it. I think these are just nagging little things where we don't see guys through throughout the week or heading into training camp, but or through uh, into the first preseason game. But where's that, where's that concern level heading into the season on the depth of this Mm -hmm. team? Because again, now you're really quickly at guys where you're like, all right, well, that's not the lineup we thought we had. And I mean, how teams treat injuries on today's August 7th is very different than what they would do during a regular season game. Now we know the last couple days, but like specifically with the last practice that the bears had on Sunday, again, a lot of the same guys being held out of practice, Tremaine Edmonds, that would be, I believe his third practice that he was held out. Nate Davis has not practiced since last week. Um, Jack Sanborn after he got hurt and the days are all blurring together, forgive me, but like there was a day during practice. I want to say it was last Monday or Tuesday where he, Seemed to get hurt, walked off, has it like it was a goal line situation. But again, like, you know, there's some other names too. Jaquan Brisker part yeah. in there, Dylan Cole, Demarcus Walker was on has been on that list. But then seeing Lucas Patrick, you know, go out of the family fa- family fest practice, you know, apparently had a brief visit to the medical tent and then, you know, went back to the locker room. Matt Eberflus's message is that none of these things are long term right now. So that's good, but you're also not gonna know truly like how serious these things are until, you know, 
if we're talking about this at week one, then it is a pretty to any of the guys that I mentioned, that's a yeah. pretty significant amount of time between now and the week going into September 11th in the opener against the Green Bay Packers. But I think it is. You, I think you do have to take the team at what they're saying at face value that these are not long term injuries, which then you don't have to panic too much about the depth. But it is not great when your offensive line has, you know, already like one of your key backups dealing with yeah. something. Now, Lucas Patrick, if he plays, if he goes back to practice this week, that's great. But even if they like want to hold him out for a little bit, that gets Jatari Carter some really good reps. And, you know, even, you know, there, there could be some other younger players who are probably headed towards the practice squad that you might view in that position. I, you know, with what Ryan Pohl said the other day, when he was asked, hey, Nate Davis, Tevin Jenkins, this is before Jenkins went back to practice, are you worried about the depth that you have? And he said that before that used to be something that, you know, you kind of panic over, like, how is this going to work out? And it definitely sounds like some sugarcoating a little bit. Like, it's great because you get to see the depth (laughs) that you, you know, you get to see how your depth works out. You can look at that through two lenses. That's either Oh, like, yeah, like he's, you know, selling the younger guys, whatever, because you don't really want your depth playing all that much. You want your starters playing. So you could see it through two ways. Like, man, it could be worse. And they're just, you know, they're trying to be confident in the guys that they have, or that it truly is a chance to see guys that they expect to play at some point. Because we know injuries happen up front more often than they don't. But Jenkins being back is great. Nate yeah. Davis in this absence, I said it last week, I still think it's kind of concerning that this has happened now for a week where he's been out. And then Lucas Patrick going down, he's your best back. He's your best backup offensive lineman that you have if you're the Bears. So now you're like, okay, you're in scramble mode yet again. You can't afford that with this offensive line. We know how good an offensive line in a quarterback can be when he has protection that is together and like practicing together a lot. If it starts to get derailed, how do they recover and yeah. are the backups? Is the Alex Leatherwood? Is Jatari Carter? If he ends up having to play, you know, a little bit more time at right guard than maybe they were they were hoping, because if that would mean Nate Davis, Lucas Patrick are not playing either. Like, how does he handle it? Because I mean they, they like him. They drafted him in the late rounds in 2022. Like he's been playing, you know, quite a bit in training camp with the twos. It's quality depth. Like, I guess, yeah. you know, use the time now to do whatever you can to develop that depth. Yeah, it's it's I wasn't concerned until I heard Floof say at this point now you're missing out on important time for continuity. That's huge. That was the time where I was like, okay, so that means that now we're getting to the point where you're missing enough time that even the coaches are starting to get concerned with what the continuity of this team is going to be. So it's. I don't know, like, I feel good about the depth of this team. But like I said, it, when you start to see names drop, when you see a Jack Sanborn drop, right, like, all of a sudden, Noah Sewell's stepping in. We thought, I mean, we, we said coming into the season, he's probably your fourth best linebacker. Dylan Cole goes down as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I feel like there's a lot of these positions where I feel like the frontline names are really good names, really good guys to have out there. But if they're not out there, you mm-hmm. quickly start to look at this team and say, we're at a lot of the guys who were starters at the end of last season when this yeah. was all said and done. Yeah. And that's, again, like they're, they're, they're probably being more cautious with things than, than like there any, being anything that's like serious right now needs yeah. surgery. Like you would know that stuff gets out. If somebody was on, you know, the on track for a season ending injury or needing surgery, that's going to keep him out for a while. 
we would know by now. Hell, the team even said that they would make a statement if it was a long-term injury. Yeah. We kind of make the joke, you know, everybody's day-to-day in training camp, and that's what they like to say. <laughs> but, you know, some teams handle injuries very differently. The Rams, yeah. every time that Sean McVay's asked about that, he's very upfront about this guy's dealing with this, expect him back in a couple of days. The Bears are not like that. And that's that's Matt Eberflus's prerogative. That's cool. But when you, when you are missing guys in numbers like this, you know, it in speaking to like what it could do this weekend, let's say they did want to play their starter some because Matt Eberflus said they would play starters in the preseeds and it's not yeah. a complete hard fast, like not doing it. But that limits then probably what your plan would be for having, let's say, the starting offensive line together for three series, which I don't know how much continuity you can actually get when you're not playing all that much. But just yeah. follow me here on that example. Well, then that might lead you to, you know, start mixing and matching and getting some other guys in instead of saying, all right, well, if, if two thirds or, you know, two fifths of the offensive line, the starters are out, like nobody's playing, like it might be, okay, well, Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, and then Darnell Wright, because you know that Darnell Wright's going to, they're going to want to get him some reps. So then you might be trying Alex Leatherwood at left guard and seeing if Jatari Carter can play for you at right guard, assuming the other two are not able to. So it's, it's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. It just might be more than what the Bears had hoped for going into this first preseason game. But then again, they're trying to get a look at everybody. I know that sounds silly when yeah. these games don't mean anything, and especially when you're looking like way down the depth chart. But since injuries are such a big part of football, you have to be prepared in all scenarios. And, and not just like, you know, that doesn't just help them. They're looking at 31 other teams and what they're yep. doing in the preseason to see, hey, is that somebody that when – cuts go around we might want to bring him into into the fold here because he could fill a depth role like there's a lot of that that happens more than just like what's going on with the Chicago Bears at this point of the season yeah I mean I, I the one spot where we can feel a little bit better Bears fans can all take a sigh of relief and breathe on we finally went out and got that pass rusher that we were looking for that edge rusher that we were looking for uh made that move on uh friday i believe he came in. Officially, officially officially became thursday a was a signing so thursday was when it came out i think yeah. friday was when they officially added him to the roster yeah he will have his first practice on tuesday so like they signed him he came in to my understanding like you know did the signing and all that on thursday physical yeah, yeah. all that met with us on friday he went back home to kind of get his life together. Cause remember he hasn't been in a camp. It's not like, yeah. you know, he got traded and it was one place, another, like he's been, you know, he hasn't been anywhere for the last four or five months, anywhere, meaning a football environment. He's been on his own working out, but he hasn't been part of a team. So he's got to go figure out his life, like get like all of his like logistics stuff together and then get back to Lake forest for training camp. So Sounds like he got his number 91. That's what he's listed he at right get now. That. We on saw the Dominique Robinson Very with the 91. Very curious to see what the price was. Because, you know, if you're Yannick Ngakwe and if you're Dominique Robinson, second year player Dominique Robinson, yeah. who hasn't made your money yet, I would I would definitely drive up a bargain on that. <laughs> like if you want 91, you've got to pay because Yannick Ngakwe has had 91 at every stop he's played at. So, yeah. um, I feel like I remember in Minnesota, somebody else wearing it and he had one of those, um, one of the same sort of things where he ended up having to pony up to get 91. But anyways, it's, it was a necessary move. We've talked about this forever. How many episodes have we done where we're debating, Hey, are they going to sign a pass rusher yet? Are we still waiting? And I thought it was kind of funny that Ryan Poles even poked fun at the situation when he said, you know, 
if Bears fans, if they're anything, they're passionate because if he's not at his son's little league game and he's got coaches yelling at him from third base, hey, you going to yeah. sign a pass rusher? He's on a beach in Maui on a vacation where he's getting asked about it. So, which can we get time and place established here? I by mean, the way, if you're yeah. coaching third base, maybe don't yell back, hey, how about a pass rusher? You know, but, you know by the way, fans? bring him around. <laughs> yeah, you know, these fans, you're a fan. Like, you, I mean, people get passionate, man. Like, they, they love this stuff and I get it. And that's what you sign up for as a general manager. Like the, but you know, for him to get the top free agent pass rusher available yeah. and at the deal in which he got, like, did you see the deal that Justin Houston got with Carolina? Yeah. Like paying got, he got considerably less somewhere on that six, $7 million range from Carolina versus what unique and Gakwe got nearly all of that one year, $10.5 million contract guaranteed. Like it, even though there was the idea that there's connection with with the Colts and Eberflus and, and Justin Houston knowing that scheme, and then, of course, with Ryan Poles, it really shows you what they believe the need here is on this defensive line, and that's, you know, getting off the ball off the edge and getting to the quarterback. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out, but I will say that he made the right move to do this now because you know what you it's more than just like okay like he's a really good player we want to get him in the fold it's what you've seen in camp too that leads you to believe hey as much as we may like Dominique Robinson and Travis Gibson we can't like it would be negligent to not try to fill that void somehow. Is, have we heard anything on kind of what the situation was on why it took so long with money. Ngakwe, just money. just money as itself? Yeah, it's contracts. I mean, this is somebody who wanted a multi-year deal. Yeah. You got to think about it too. He's 29 years old. He's probably sitting there like, damn, I'm putting up eight sacks a year yeah. minimum every year of my seven year career. Yet I can't get a long-term deal anywhere. Now yeah. there's reasons for that, of course. And as much as some coaches want to like push aside the notion that he's not great as a run defender because of a lot of missed tackles and stuff that actually shows up on tape that I think is fair to acknowledge. But you know, if you're unique in Gakwe, you're thinking, okay, there's a lot of pass rushers who have less production than I do over the course of their career, yet they're signing the big Trey Hendrickson sort of deals. They're signing what Cam Jordan got. And of course, you know, his last contract with the new Orleans saints. I mean, that's, I'm talking about like earlier, earlier yeah, in, his, yeah, yeah. in his prime, but he's probably sitting there thinking, okay, well, what more do I need to do to show it? Cause I feel like unique and Gakwe has been on a prove it deal since 2020. Like yep. ever since he had the franchise tag put on him by Jacksonville and then gets tagged and traded to Minnesota that doesn't work out because the team stinks and they go like one and five to start and they trade him after the first six weeks and he goes to Baltimore. They don't keep him. Then he goes to, the, to Vegas. They don't keep him. Then he goes to the Colts. And now here, you know, I don't blame him for holding out to the point where he at least got most of that deal guaranteed because he has produced, especially in terms of sack numbers. And we know that like interceptions, Teams pay for sack numbers. They may say, oh, it doesn't tell the whole story. No, they want to see somebody with double-digit sacks. They want to see those sorts of statistical accolades next to somebody's name because that defines how effective you are at doing one of the most important jobs that you can do as a defender, which is stopping the stopping the play in action by stopping the quarterback. So yeah. I, I think for him, he was trying to get the best. He wasn't going to jump at an opportunity unless it could potentially lead to A, more money, 
and be a place where, let's say this goes according to, to the plan that the Bears have, that's going to help their pass rushing for Unique Ngakwe too. Let's hope he likes it because yeah. then – he may be part of what they want to build going forward. And next off season could be looking at a more expensive deal for himself, but also the security in terms of years, because you know, one year is there's not much security behind that. And if it doesn't go well and he could, then he's on the move again next year. And that's, that's the question you said, you said the, perfect word for right a prove it deal we've seen the talent we know what the talent is is this prove it as far as a guy in the locker room prove it as far as a guy who can improve on run defense what is he here on the prove it deal for because we know that he's going to get to the passer Mm -hmm. no we do and that has not been something it it really is remarkable how many places he's been this is his fifth team since 2020 how many places he's been and how the production has not dipped really at all. And, you know, for him, I think it's putting it all together in ways that we maybe haven't seen. The bears have been pretty adamant that they're going to use him on first and second down. Like he's not just. He's not a pass rush guy just on passing plays. Yeah. And I mean, is he a pass rush specialist? Do guys have areas of their skill set that are better than others? Absolutely. And you'd be foolish to like think that he's like this well-rounded pass rusher when he's not a well-rounded, well-rounded defender yeah, yeah, up yeah, front yeah. when he's not because he hasn't played the run well. I know that there's some people out there who want to like think that we're all crazy for pointing it out. <laughs> look at the tape. Look at what. <laughs> look at some of the. Look at some of the run fits. Look at some of the missed yeah. tackles, all of the things that have happened over the course of his career. And maybe in some schemes, he just wasn't utilized towards that because teams either like decided against it or yeah. saw something that was a deficiency that they wanted to work around because they had better personnel to fit that. You know, the defensive line is what you got right now. And it's been reworked. I mean, him, Demarcus Walker, of course, the new additions up front, not just the two young rookies and Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens, but Andrew Billings has been kind of this quiet storyline throughout camp. I mean, the guy's massive. He's going yeah. to be playing a huge role as the nose on this defensive line um, to be able to like to stop the run kind of at the initial level so it doesn't get to the second level. The linebackers have to do their job. So I think that, you know, it's quietly been like one of the more active places they've been. It's just not until Unique and Gakwe did that. If you're a Bears fan looking at this, would you say, okay, they feel good about where they are headed into the season now versus they, how they were before because they had been looking all off season. Yeah. If they really didn't think that they needed an edge rusher, they would have shut down that conversation by their actions and inaction. But clearly, the fact that they decided to keep this thing out like keep this thing going and look for an edge rusher as as strong as unique and Gakwe. I mean, he's he's a top free agent edge rusher. But that's a pretty big deal to get the top guy remaining and not just somebody that you know is a bargain bin deal and somebody that again would be here on one year. You've got an upper echelon player that is here on a one year deal. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And when when you look at when I look at how this Bears team, I, I have to applaud how Ryan Poles has put this all together because unique and Gakwe coming in to me is the finishing piece of, okay, we have this guy that's consistently going to be able to get to the quarterback, but how do we insulate? Because I do think, right, with the Colts, the Colts wouldn't put him out there a lot of times if there weren't passing downs for him to get there because they had guys that could get to the quarterback. And by the end of the season, it was it was a nightmare over there in Indianapolis. So there's that aspect of it as well, right? But there's I feel like on, on a lot of teams where you watch him play, 
right? They would just say, okay, he's not a good run guy. We're going to get him out of here. With the Bears, it feels like they have enough good run guys. They have enough good linebacker help, enough safety help that can come up that you're kind of almost able to insulate him in a way with this run defense that, you know, I think the Bears, we, we, felt better about what the Bears run defense was going to be coming into the season. Now you've got a guy who can cause that pressure coming off the edge. I think that Chicago might just be the perfect the perfect storm, if you will, of pieces that come together that can accentuate his game. Yeah, and I mean, that's assuming all of the other pieces that you mentioned work within this defense. Yeah. Now, a lot of them are retain, retained pieces, and for Unique to be – you know, he was with Rod Marinelli and Travis Smith in Vegas. Now, Marinelli and Eberflus go way back to their days in Denver. It's all a similar scheme. Gus Bradley and what they run in Indianapolis. Um, like, there's there's a lot there. That's the reason that they were, like, also pretty high on this fit because they know if you're going to parachute somebody in, it's got to be some – I mean, and he's shown this. He's parachuted in places the last three years yeah. and has done a terrific job, more or less, Every single season, adapting to a new locker room, new teammates, new coaches, and new scheme every year. So yeah. I think they're comfortable in that. They're not going to ask him to do everything. Like, this is not going to move the needle. And, in, in like, and people ask, oh, what does this, like, what does this do in terms of wins for them? Does this really, like, move it up that much more? I would say probably not, at least from my expectations, because I think this is a seven or eight win football team. I've said that on record. That is, I think, a very good mark of, of improvement and honestly how they would define success for this season. But does, you know, the wins above replacement element, like how many extra wins is, is, you know, a unique and Gakwe giving you, I'm not sure like it can, it can really be that much if you break yeah. it down that way, but you know, his presence there is going to raise the level for other guys. That I think is certainly, you know, a big thing for the Travis Gibsons and the Dominique Robinsons. And you're not going to get overmatched because for you know, for what we saw last year, like they'd like to use a rotation on the defensive line. I very much envision at edge too, like as much as Unique and Gakwe is going to play a ton, there's going to be a good rotation in there to keep guys fresh and also to try to you know keep teams guessing as well. Yeah, and the the number one thing that I I said that this does for this defense as a whole is it allows the players that you brought in, the TJ Edwards, the Tremaine Edmonds, mm -hmm. to still be those guys that they were in past cities, right? Yes, I think that Tremaine Edmonds could come in and be a dominant player no matter the situation that you put him in, but his life is made a lot easier when guys are getting to the quarterbacks, forcing the quarterback to make quicker decisions. The run isn't just hitting mm -hmm. him in the face the second that the ball is snapped. All of those things, to me, make really big impacts on the pieces that you brought in and then on top of that right now as much as I was high on guys like Rasheem Green or Demarcus Walker them being the number one I'm not as high on now they're not the number one they're not the ones sure. that are getting every that's, that's single totally double fair. team that's totally fair because you know that like Ngakwe is going to draw more attention to wherever he's lining up yeah and That'll, you know, teams are going to try to chip you. They're going to try to dedicate extra, you know, an extra blocker in your direction. That's that's fine, but he's still able to to you know be very disruptive. Like, don't yeah. get that wrong. Like other defensive lines he's been on, he has been the guy. I mean, you go back to Arizona. Excuse me. You go back to Vegas. I mean, that's Vegas. a defense that had like Chandler Jones and him, and I mean, he still was able to get you know have a really good season there. Minnesota, he was the guy. I mean, he finished. I remember that 2020 season when I covered them. He finished with six sacks that year. That was what he was 
by the time he left, like he left in week six, and by the time the yeah. season was over, he was still the sack leader. Like that's not, yeah. you know, that shows his impact, but it also shows that if you have a team where you've got other guys that are in the process of being developed and Demarcus Walker, a formidable presence coming off a seven sack season of his own last year, you're not then just like I think it I don't know if it would work if if Yannick Ngakwe went to a place where it'd be like he is the only pass rushing presence that you can rely on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that they really do think they have something reliable inside outside flexibility too with Demarcus Walker. But then again, you know, Dominique Robinson, let's see it. Let's see what you with the offseason work with Robert Mathis. How does that manifest itself in the form of being a better pass rusher? Let's see too. Um, you know, with some of the interior guys, like if they are so high on trying to keep the quarterback high in the pocket, indent the pocket, that's the word that the phrase they like to throw around. Let's see your interior pass rush. Like, let's yeah. see Justin Jones be the three technique that can, you know, do what Aaron Donald does. Now, of course, I'm just throwing out like the, the cream of the crop, the prime yeah, yeah, example. Yeah. But like, if that's the type of pass rush you want to have, because I still think they're built from the inside out then that's got to be where a lot of the production is also coming from. No, 100%. And that's how I, I think that's such a good we've seen so many teams, right, where it's like you'll see them just go out and get the big name or the exciting name. Right. And that's where the Yannick and Gakways will pop up. But so much of this pressure on this defense is from is supposed to be from that middle, from that nose tackle position. I like that Ryan Poles had such a focus on finding that mm-hmm. and still getting the edge, right? Like he said, Bears fans were reminding them left <laughs> and right that, hey, bud, you got to get an edge. Third base, he's safe. Hey, Ryan, could you uh, grab us an edge rusher when you uh, get some free time? He's, he's a better man than, than I would be as a person. Like if somebody, if you were in that role, have being able to tune out the noise and then continue to do your job as annoyed yeah. as I'm sure he probably gets. He probably won't show it, but I'm sure like do, do people think he doesn't know that? Like, <laughs> obviously he's a scout. He's an evaluator. He knows what this team needs and what it lacks. And very clearly it tells you how they felt about their pass rush, that they were like adamant that they had to get this done. My favorite thing about seeing stuff like this though, is when, when the GM makes the move that like, everybody feels needed to be made. It's just like, see, I told y'all I knew what I was talking about. And it's like, all right, bud. Like, okay, thanks for stating the obvious with that as well. Like, yes, we all wanted the edge rusher. Uh, (laughs) Heading into this Saturday's game, Mm -hmm. what's your real expectation of what we're going to see, right? Like starters, maybe a series here and there, but what are you really focusing in on looking for coming out of this preseason? I made this point today on first take, and I know some people aren't going to agree with me. I cannot stand when the first team offense plays like two to three series together. I think everybody in the preseason, all starting, all all starting members of the offense, quarterbacks and wide receivers, whatever. Give me, give me one quarter, give me one quarter Mm. because you really can't judge how anybody is after two to three series. Give me a full quarter. Just give me 15 minutes. Let me see it. Um, But I don't, I mean, I would doubt for this first preseason game that you do see a lot of Justin Fields in the first team offense because they're, you know, as much as they are another year in this, like then they do need work in the preseason and they will get reps in the preseason. The first game is kind of the easing in process. So I'd imagine you're going to see a lot of, you know, Terrell Smith and Tyreek Stevenson on the back end of the defense, meaning, probably no Eddie Jackson, probably no Jaquan Brisker and Jalen Johnson. You're going to get a chance to see your depth in the defensive backfield. So if that's a chance to evaluate who could be your CB2, 
That's probably going to be the biggest takeaway that we have. Of course, punt return will be a big one. Bayless Jones, Tyler Scott, and like Tyler Scott's practice on Saturday, he had a couple drops. So I'm sure he's going to want to try to like right the wrongs there and, you know, get himself in a better position, you know, I mean, he's making a team. I have no doubt about that. He's had a really good camp, but like just try to clean up some of the things that he did that he probably wasn't happy with himself offensively with on Saturday. But uh, I backup quarterback will be really interesting with PJ Walker because he has not looked good during camp and that's not put, that's putting it kind of lightly. I have not walked away from a single training camp practice and thought, okay, this is a viable backup for Justin Fields. If he were to have to miss a game. And so they bring somebody in though. Cause Peterman ain't there. No, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> it was interesting. There was a period on Saturday and maybe the, I'm not sure what this had to do with um, anything, but like, Second team offense is PJ Walker's yet. There was a couple reps that Tyson Badgett was taking with the second team offense. Um, Something to keep an eye on. Let's see what happens. You know, like what his reps, I would imagine his reps would be considerable. He's a rookie. Nathan Peterman. We've seen Nathan Peterman's been in the league longer than I think any of the quarterbacks that they have. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised to see a good bit of Badgett, Tyson Badgett out there, but also, You know, they're going to mix in personnel, like young rookies that you expect to start. Like, I bet we'll see Darnell Wright out there, um, which means we should probably end up seeing the first team offense out there, at least for a little bit. But then again, if there's injuries, is that really your first team offense? So the first game is always a crapshoot in terms (laughs) of the personnel that you see out there and that in that in which you don't. But come the second preseason game against Indianapolis, that's when I really think we're going to see starters maybe for a quarter, maybe even for the first half. That would be, um, that'd be my guess. It's it's all fun and games until, you know, somebody comes up limping playing 15 minutes in the first quarter in the first preseason game there, Courtney. I don't know about, I don't know. I I just debated you on on first. I just think that you need one quarter because like the argument came up about Dak and how Mike McCarthy said like, Oh, like probably he's like, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'd probably bet against it playing, you know, you got to think about it. Like their offense last year and where they finish, I mean, they're 12 and five team, but you know, has a lot of changes. So like, what does that change look with Brandon cooks in the mix? What does that change look with a new, like with a new tight end? Like, I think you kind of like, just give me one quarter. One quarter is not the end of the world. We're not asking you to play every single rep or like do multiple priests. Aaron Rodgers was toying around with the idea of wanting to play a little bit in the preseason. Now, whether that's just like posturing or whether he like actually wants to do that, we'll see. But I don't think I just, I'm, I cannot get behind. What was it in Seattle last year where you see the first team offense go down the field? Drive. One drive. What does that accomplish outside yeah. of like, oh yeah, we had one good drive. Because you're going Y'all played against, football like, today, boys. You're going against like twos and maybe even like some backups beyond that. Like I, yeah. I, I just, I can't get behind that because I just don't think you actually walk away with anything beyond, you know, a couple like notes here and there. Okay. Yeah. They are like, show you can do it again. Show some consistency. Yeah. No, 100%. And not that you can just follow the script, right? Mitch looked great with the yep. script. Then go off the, the script. Play. I mean, this offense looked great when they were on the script last year yeah. and then they went off of it. Yeah, it's 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 definitely different. It's just that's one of those situations where it's great all until the one time where it's not great. And then it's like, oh, you 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 let your guys play mm-hmm. more than one drive. Thanks. But I feel like you can say that about any moment yeah. in preseason, you know, so we'll see, man. We, I, I'm I'm the one thing that I'm looking forward to and I, I'm kind of excited to see is, OK, where's Javon Dexter at 
as far as going from a two gap system mm -hmm. to penetration. How is he going to look with that? Because he's looked okay in camp. He hasn't looked yeah, bad. Yeah, he's got some work to do. Even the coaches have said that just yeah. in terms of like, you know, it is a different role for him, but it should be a better role for him in order yes. to like get after the quarterback. He's just kind of been slow on his get off. And I know yeah. that that's something that Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams have talked about, like really trying to like hone in on it with him. So let's see, you know, I would imagine we'll see quite a bit of him and Zach Pickens in this preseason game and see how they fare, you know, against, against and with backup competition. No, a hundred percent. And that's, that's the thing that I'm looking for, right? Just to see, you know, because this is a system that it's not like it's new to him. He thrived in it. He was ahead of, uh, um, why can't I think of a boy that went to Philly now that everybody wanted us to draft? Uh, Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter. I was thinking hurts the entire time. He was, he was ahead of Jalen Carter coming out of high school playing that style. He was ahead of Jalen Carter first year at Florida playing that style. And then everything switched. So it, it'd be good to see kind of how he's going to be able to get back to his game. Uh, and, and if he's going to be able to thrive here early on, because I think there's a lot of expectation. We don't talk about them as much, right? Because they're not the 10th or 11th overall pick, but there's still a lot of expectation on Javon Dexter, yeah. Zach Pickens coming in. You know, he's, he's talking about he wants to be a legend. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Hoping to see in this first preseason game, give me three sacks right off the back. That's all I'm looking at. I'm, high, lofty goals. It is what it is. Uh, hey, we appreciate we, we you. Real football. <laughs> just that's all I want. My God. Man, we're just, getting there. We're I'm getting so ready. Now, that's the tough part, right? Saturday is just like. I remember watching preseason and being like, man, if they just let Justin Fields start every game, we might be able to win seven games. We did not. But, uh, hey, we appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love to another episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. We'll be here keeping you guys informed on everything happening. We'll be at Hallis three days this week, I believe. Three or two or three days. So we'll be able to kind of, you know, look in on practice and see what things are looking like, man. So we'll bring you guys all that information for Courtney Cronin. I am Pat, the designer, back at it again. Appreciate you guys for showing love. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear down. Peace.